weight loss. <laughs> Everyone's ears just perked up. <laughs> Boo. We're excited for this one. Yeah, there's weight a lot loss. of questions that yeah. came in, which is nice. Do you coach tonight? Yep. Do you? The on-ramp crew. At seven? Yep. All right, good. So we got a few hours. <laughs> this could be a long one. It could yeah. be a four-hour podcast, folks. Let's see where it goes. Got a lot of questions today. Should we give them a little teaser on a few of the questions we're going to go over? Yeah, sure. Maybe we'll just go down the list here on a few and say them in a cool voice. Yeah, what do you got? All right. How? That's one. See if we, we'll see if we get to that one. How do you do it? Yeah. So we had um, questions about weight loss if you've had your thyroid removed. Actually, that was a cool one. That's a Talk cool question. A yeah. Bit. Yeah. Um, is there like a genetic, a genetic set point for a certain weight that your body wants you to be at, or what your brain wants you to be at? What can slow weight loss other than poor diet? Can you target fat? How does age influence best approach? Can you add muscle while burning fat? How to set weight loss goals, plateaus, best way for females to lose weight? So many. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. A lot of good ones. I got, uh, does ev- is everyone that eats food a nutrition expert? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like those. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That's a funny one. <laughs> and knowing who asked the question, I can just hear his voice saying it. It's hilarious. Um, I had another one that was, why is it so hard to lose the last five pounds? Yeah, that's a good one. <clears throat> those were the, the two serious slash funny questions that I got. The other <laughs> ones, the other things I get are mostly just chirps. So <laughs> I'll just leave those out. Dirty buggers. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. All right. Lots of questions to get to. Let's start with, um, why weight loss is such a hot topic. Yeah. See where it takes us. Yeah. Um, we're definitely in the midst of an epidemic of obesity. Yeah. It's, um, I don't feel like it's being treated with the, um, urgency that it should be treated with. I think Mm -hmm. we could do a lot more, um, right from like a a tax thing, like sugar tax, I think is a great idea. I'm, I'm behind that one for sure. I agree. Um, things to make it less accessible for people to, and, less affordable for people to make poor food choices. Yeah. Um, that's a very complicated and deep yeah, that's subject to go down. Though, but actually when you just look at like cost of healthcare. Yeah. Um, like the amount that, well, the amount that the government spends on healthcare, mostly on like pharmaceuticals is like billions and billions and billions and probably trillions maybe i don't know oh yeah i got but then i got a stat yeah let's yeah. do it total cost of bc to canadians was 4.3 billion in 2013 um 1.8 billion in indirect healthcare costs and 2.5 billion in indirect costs i think it's a lot of money alzheimer's disease alone i know back when i was doing a lot of research on that it in itself by I don't know, say like 2050 or something. So it's expected to keep climbing and climbing. The cost for to take care of Alzheimer's patients alone is like in the, I don't know, high billions. Oh my, that's crazy. Which is just ridiculous. And But now there's a lot of research showing that you can probably prevent it just through lifestyle interventions. So that's a perfect example. Like if, even if you just focus on Alzheimer's alone mm-hmm. and enforce more like preventative measures, you think how much you could save. Yeah, prevention alone. Yeah. If we can 
put more money into that and kind of allocate more money into that um, as a whole, we're definitely yeah. going to see um, spending go way down. And then hopefully that money can be used to help people that are in need and not due to a self-inflicted illness, Yeah, which is a little harsh, but at the same time, it's this, we're all born the same. Yeah. Right. And uh, there's, choices that you can make and there's well and there's such like a limited amount of resources in healthcare right now no yeah. doctors not enough nurses yeah something's so, gotta happen yeah so it'd be nice to be able to use those services in areas that aren't yeah self-inflicted um yeah and now that gets complicated with um just mental health in general and emotional connection with food um, causing obesity and that's not I'm not talking about that because at that point I don't think it's a, a conscious choice to do to um, overeat it's health related it's illness related that's that's a separate topic in itself so yeah. I always want to be clear that that's not what I'm talking about when I say that I'm talking about um, just the, the active choice to overeat knowing the consequences and just not caring. Yeah. Which happens yeah, that's, a lot. Yeah, I think that's fair. I got more stats. Yeah. I'm just going to rhyme them off. All right. Since uh, 1980, obesity rates among teens, which is ages 12 to 19, have quadrupled from 5% to 20.6%. Is this North America or? That stat's in the U.S. Okay. That's a U.S. only stat. It's hard to find Canada only stats. It is, yeah. That first one I mentioned with the cost, that was a Canadian stat from 2013. Um, also in 2013, 42 million infants and young ch- children were overweight or obese worldwide. So that's total across the entire world. Um, prevalence of obesity has reached 40% among Americans, affecting. Oh. <laughs> That's, that's that's ridiculous. That's a lot. And it that's affecting 93 million US adults. 93 million. That's that's a lot. Ouch. The scariest is like the childhood obesity. And I know again, I don't really know Canadian stats, but in the states right now, it's out of control. Type 2 diabetes in kids. Right. Like if you were to tell someone who lived maybe they're still living they probably find this insane but imagine maybe like if you have like a grandfather a great-grandfather imagine telling them something like that now like Mm -hmm. it would i think it would just be mind-blowing like yeah type 2 diabetes in kids yeah what (laughs) the sad part about that is the kids aren't the ones that are making their food choices Mm mm-hmm Right, like a, a five-year-old kid doesn't take their debit card, hop in the car, run to farm guy, and uh, <laughs> buy their yeah. buy their groceries. Right, like somebody's buying it for them and, and giving it to them. And along with the my backing of the sugar tax, I also back that's child abuse. You're making your child sick. Yeah, that should be dealt just as harshly as if somebody were to smack their kid. In my opinion. Yeah. And that is that's only, true. that's only my opinion. I don't know why it is that it doesn't really get more, um, 
serious treatment like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because the food industry and drug industry are giants and just control so many different things. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not much for politics, so I can't really give an explanation on that. Yeah. But my- it's, it's interesting <laughs> still. Like, yeah. I don't know the politics behind it. It's all all opinion based for me. Yeah. It's strictly just my opinion and how I feel it should be treated because I think without harsh consequences like that, um, it just becomes a norm, yeah, which it has now. Yeah. Like if uh, lots of times you're in the mall or something like that, you'll see more overweight kids than you will kids that are not overweight. Yeah. And it's. You know, so all of this comes from. I would say two things like genius marketing and genius food design. People yeah. that people that literally take advantage of our underlying biology and design foods in a way that make them act in the brain the same way as heroin or an addictive drug. It's crazy. And then me. when you throw marketing on top of that, this is like a whole field in itself is like the neuroscience of marketing or the psychology of marketing. It's just like presenting these things in a way where people just like basically cannot resist, right? Like it's, it's pulling at their life strings. So yeah, when you look at it that way, you, I don't know, you kind of have to feel for people, but at the same time, like, like we as a society need to do some different things. Yeah. Yeah. To, hold yourself to a certain standard yeah. that runs so deep. Like even our imagery of uh, Santa Claus is based on <laughs> a Coca-Cola thing. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how deep that runs. Like it runs so yeah. deep. I really noticed it when I travel into the States, the difference in the commercials, I think Canada has uh, yeah. pretty strict regulations on their advertising. Um, Do you notice things like that? I don't even remember the last time I've been to the States, but when you get down there and you're just walking around, do you notice like, higher amounts of obesity would you say um i could generalize and say yeah, yeah. I, I think there's the culture it's like a it's a weird sort of culture of obesity mm-hmm. it's like like you, advertising heart attack burgers type thing yeah, is that what you mean everywhere yeah advertising it everywhere it's it's wild triple bypass poutine <laughs> yeah even to that point where it's blatantly yeah like but they're making fun of it but like it's kind of not even funny anymore <laughs> like it, yeah. it's actually it's a big deal it's a problem so this reminds me of something kind of another social more of a social issue i came across the other day just doing some research on some different ways of eating you can call them diets i don't like calling them that but we'll just call it that there's whenever someone says so just just picture someone kind of in the stereotypical lunchroom at work you know they pull out their lunch someone who's quote-unquote dieting trying to make healthy eating choices maybe they pull out like a salad and some fruit and some vegetables or something there's always like um lash back at that person you know what i mean like just someone kind of like turns to them gives them a dirty look and scowls and is like oh like are you dieting you know what i mean like just for just for eating like healthy foods meanwhile most of the other people in the lunchroom if they're eating like junk food no one says anything right you know what i mean it's so bizarre like yeah people are weird like 
you're eating awfully healthy. <laughs> get, they get so as if it's like a personal attack yeah, against them. So, I don't Why are you that. eating so healthy? Yeah. And they call it, are you dieting? It's like, no, I'm just eating real food. Exactly. This is, why is that a weird thing? That's yeah, but it is. You're exactly right. Yeah. I wonder where that comes from. I don't know. I, to be honest, when I was younger, I think I've generally tried to eat healthier for, excuse me, like, I don't know, the better part of like the last 10 years or whatever. But anyways, I used to let that stuff bother me. Like it would get to me. Someone would point out like, oh, you're eating healthy, blah, blah, blah. Like I just, I don't know. I, that's why I used to be kind of like a little bit more secretive about my, um, really like my passion for health and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Just because I don't know why. I just let it get to me and I don't give a shit anymore. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thankfully you don't. You yeah. busted through that. But yeah, it's so bizarre. It is weird. You even, you get that sometimes even with working out for sure. Like exercising, um, being active. Mm-hmm. That exists a little bit as well. You're on quite the health kick lately. <laughs> <laughs> you know where that goes since it's approaching the holiday season where that exponentially increases at family dinners? Yes. Always the worst. Everyone's oh, got to yeah. comment, oh, you're going to eat that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I hate that one. Oh, it's like, oh, you eat that? Want to have pie on Christmas? Like, yeah, of course I'm gonna have pie that, on Christmas. That one's hilarious. Come on now, yeah, I love that one. Talking about a whole lifestyle here, not one single food choice. And I think <laughs> we're probably gonna get into that a little bit later with more of the psychology around yeah eating healthy and and weight loss maintenance, which I think is more of an issue than weight loss itself. Yeah, like the initial weight loss, I don't. I think everyone has a knowledge of thousands of different ways that you can lose weight. I think the most challenging for part fart <laughs> the most challenging part part for people is actually maintaining yeah that weight loss for 30 days 60 days 90 Excuse days me. six months a year two years for the rest of their life yeah um and there's some interesting things that happen there that we'll dive into a little bit later for sure um message from that part don't be that guy or gal making fun of somebody for anything right like yeah seeing somebody who is overweight or obese at the gym um don't make fun of that person yeah don't uh, bring people down don't bring be- people down don't make judgments based on your own insecurities on other people yeah i find often if people are making comments like that it's something that they're lacking oh, in their own life clearly yeah. and they're just projecting that in a way that defends them yeah um and in that moment they're going to get a little boost because they feel like an alpha and they're like on top of a situation and they're running. Yeah, they're in control yeah. of that situation. But I mean, at the end of the day, feel sorry for those people because they have to live with themselves and hopefully um, they choose to make better choices in terms of just the words that they speak and the actions that they do so that yeah. they don't end up yeah. in this cycle of yeah. negativity that's inevitably going to lead to them just being unhappy forever. Yeah. And I mean, I can't do anything but pity that person because they're not going to be ready to change until in most cases it's, it's kind of too late for that person yeah. in that situation. You know what a good way to just avoid that entire confrontation is like not even give the person really the chance to kind of, pick a bone with you is don't tell people that you're on a diet Mm -hmm. because I think that's if you say something like I had some problems with my blood sugar that I'm trying to control or what's another good one I had some 
digestion issues I'm trying to sort out or something like that that mm-hmm. doesn't really give them an opportunity to pick at it because it's almost like I don't know it's almost like more of a serious issue or like almost not a problem but kind of a problem the person's like oh okay like there was actually something wrong and you're trying to address that yeah it's not just yeah you, a little bit eating healthy lately <laughs> yeah so yeah i don't know something to try i guess yeah my go-to is always just agreeing with them because i really don't give a shit what they think. <laughs> yeah so they well, can say whatever they want i'm like yeah yeah <laughs> make, make a comment about anything i'm, I'm yeah. just gonna say yes that's the ideal response but i understand why not all people feel that some people can't um not let it get to them right away, I guess. So, especially if they do have a serious health condition that they're trying to improve or reverse yeah. or something like that. It's, it makes it real for that other person. Maybe they'll turn into more of a, hopefully they'll turn to more of a supportive role mm-hmm. in encouraging that behavior or just not say anything anymore would be perfect. Just don't say anything at all. Okay. Let's get a question. Yeah. Let's get those going. What's the first one you got? I don't know. Should we just go down the list here? Yeah. Well, you had you had something about like the limbic system and prefrontal cortex you were saying. Oh, yeah. Do we want to bring that up? Yes. All right. Yeah, I want to talk about that one. Um, can you tell us what those two things are? Yeah, sure. So limbic system is it's basically the regions of our brain that were – that have been there for a long ass time. So they were there when we were monkeys and they're still there. But if you've ever seen a picture of the, of the brain, you see like all those squiggly lines, kind of like those dips and grooves. Mm-hmm. It's almost like uh, probably if you were to like be in a helicopter above the grand Canyon or something like that, I would think it would look a little bit similar. Yeah. So what you see all those squiggles and whatnot, that's your PFC. That's your prefrontal cortex more or less, not all of it, but most of it, it's your cortex. So that cortex, all those squiggly lines, we'll call them, they're, it's called gyrus and sulcus, gyri and sulcus. Um, that evolved around the limbic structures. So all those, all those, um, you can call them like, people actually often refer to it as our lizard brain because it's, there's no higher thinking involved with those regions whatsoever. It's all 100% survival based. <clears throat> so anyways, the, uh, the cortex evolved around those limbic structures. So no one really knows why for sure, but that's what makes us different than all other species basically is that we have that cortex that evolved around this limbic system. So within the limbic system, there's there's tons of different regions, but there's like hypothalamus, hippocampus, amygdala, thalamus, and not all of them, but kind of the majority of those regions are, like I said, they regulate all survival mechanisms. So again, another <clears throat> another way people categorize that is they say it controls four F functions okay uh feeding you can imagine the other one (laughs) f-u-c-k-ing um what are the other ones i'm blanking just remember your two favorite fear sorry fear Fear. so that's the amygdala it's like survival and then what the hell's the other one fighting yeah okay so strictly survival based 
So I think was was the question something like how the PFC can interact with the limbic system or something? Yeah, and then it kind of extended out to um, just the interest in those regions for weight loss management or maintenance. Okay. Kind of like the contribution of training, consciously training these areas and focusing on these areas of the brain through activity to increase the likelihood of maintaining the weight loss that was achieved. Okay. I've actually never heard this before. I mean, I, I could imagine where it came from, but basically all those underlying functions are the ones that are, they're going to have the most powerful influence on when you're hungry, what you want to eat, what's going to derail you, what's going to keep you on track. But then your PFC is a way to your your PFC is actually um, the way you think on a daily basis. So your ability to actually like recognize your surrounding environment and then make plans based on what you know and what's in your environment, that type of thing, like this yeah. real higher cognitive thinking type process. <clears throat> so I'm my guess is that it just means that while those other region, regions are extremely powerful in terms of feeding behavior, you can consciously, if you have good positive quote unquote, thinking techniques right whatever you want to call it you can override those um lizard braid lizard brain mechanisms basically cool yeah i think that's like a i think that's a huge statement right there yeah just how powerful and how how big how much of a choice it is it's easy to go autopilot with the lizard brain and just do whatever it's telling you to do um because it's that survival stuff that makes you feel comfortable. So when you feel comfortable, yeah, it's, it's just safe. It's safer there. Whereas if you have the ability to consciously assess your current situation and your needs and your wants and your goals and just say like, okay, I'm feeling this right now, but it's 2018. So like I can control this and I can override this. Right. That's a simple thing, but very, very complex. And it's cool that they're getting into trying to establish some sort of research and science-based evidence around those areas that we could actually train and like help people with that. I think we'll probably end up getting into a lot more of the specifics in those lizard brain regions later on. I know it will come up, especially with the hypothalamus, but I think Mm -hmm. for this question, that's kind of all we need to know right now cool i think like it's just a lack of willingness to actually make a change that's the problem yeah i think it comes back like you said it comes back to the whole comfort thing Mm -hmm. it's not gonna be easy it's not gonna be comfortable but right eventually it becomes comfortable in my opinion Mm -hmm. i would argue i just thought the stats are pretty shocking about um i really dove into the weight loss maintenance side of things because weight loss to me it's like it's a simple system less in than out in terms of calories and you're going to lose weight there's a million different ways to do that if you want to exercise is important all this stuff that i think the majority of our listeners are going to 
we're going to get in a lot more detail than that yeah. throughout the podcast, but I think like it's there. We, yeah. we hear it all the time. We might as well talk about that right now then just sure, the idea of like calories in calories out. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were tracking macros, what, what would you use? Like what system, what kind of app? This was actually another question too. So this is good. Yeah. Cool. Let's get into that. Cause yeah. that's a, that's a big question. I get that all the time. Like what um, do you use? What is do I use kind of, yeah. or what, what should they use? I guess is the question. Yeah. Um, by asking me what I use, I think that's what they're actually asking is what yeah. they should do. Um, and then how to determine that number. And I never answer that question cause I don't know how to determine it, how to determine. I, that's, yeah. I, I will not get into that because <laughs> it's like, um, think way too many people just make stuff up i agree to be honest yeah. just to like make that person feel happy in the moment I, that's not the best yeah. for that person so yeah. no i agree with that yeah i think to come up with so we'll let's just kind of quickly back up here so if you were if we were to actually track macros what you eat in a day i i think the most popular one is probably my fit pal right yeah yeah that's yeah, a big one super easy free app on your phone you can even scan barcodes now which is mm -hmm. unreal you just scan the barcode and it'll automatically add proteins fats carbs and then even micronutrients if you want to look at that mm -hmm. it's probably the easiest one and to be honest that's about the only one i know about yeah that's <laughs> the only one I, oh there's, there's like a chronometer but i mean is there whatever my fit pal i think that's a big one. Easiest, yeah. Some people make their own spreadsheets and stuff if they're yeah. really good with spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of different ways to yeah. to track them. Yes. Um, my personal opinion when it comes to actually coming up with those numbers, I don't want to talk about individual macro numbers right now, but if we're just talking in terms of like calories because we're talking calories in, calories out, I think you just have to – look at where you currently are like track two, three, four average days. What's your number and mm -hmm. go from there before you go on the internet to some website that asks for like your activity level, what you eat, what you do at work, blah, 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 your BMI, all this stuff. And then it spits out some random number for cows and it's like 1500 cows lower than what you're currently eating. Yeah. Like that's not, not a good system. Right. So, the, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've talked about macros and podcasts before and True, just kind yeah. of our stance on that yeah. whole thing. Um, yeah. We're both definitely on the same page where like generalizations and things just aren't what we're into. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not, it's just not. Yeah. So I guess for anyone who might have missed that, if you are, if your number one goal is weight loss then calories in calories out is kind of the variable that trumps all we're not saying that's by no means is that most important in fact if you haven't i would recommend going back and listening to do you remember which one that was like was no. it the hormones one might have been one of the myths i forget we'll add it in uh the show notes for anyone who missed it, you can go back, listen to that. Cause we, we really dig into that quite a bit. Um, like the whole idea of calories in calories out and macros. So check that out. 
but that's really the bottom line. Like if we're talking about weight loss, if you cut calories, you're going to lose weight. Yeah. I mean, at some point you're going to hit a wall or a plateau and we can talk about that later, but that's, we should all know that I think. So that's why if you've never tracked your food before, if you don't know how many cows you eat in a day, or if you are hitting a plateau, maybe you've dropped a bunch of weight, but that entire time you never tracked your cows at all to do that for a few days and see what you're eating. You might be shocked. You might think that you're eating 2,500 calories and it turns out you're eating 3000 or whatever. So I think everyone should try that at least, I mean, at least once in their lifetime for sure. Just track it and see what you're eating. Check out the numbers. Just for the awareness. Yeah. Cause I think some people might be shocked. They might have some ideas in their head and then see that it's completely different. Yeah. Definitely. That's a macros. I think uh, – how do I word this? With any plateau that people are going to be hitting, it's usually um, because their body has adapted to what they're currently doing and has come to a balance – with the current um, number of calories that are coming in, calories going out, their activity, their sleep, like our body's just adapting constantly yeah, to smart. everything that, yeah, it's too smart. You can't keep doing the same thing. No. So I think that this could actually easily, easily answer that. What, why is it so hard to lose the last five pounds question? It's simply because you're doing the same thing, yeah. expecting a different result. It's yeah. um, you're, using the same macros if you're tracking that or you're eating uh, this diet and you're drinking this much water and doing this much activity, but it's been very consistent for a long time, which is great. But that's where you're going to stay because your body has been able to find a spot where it feels balanced and under control and it has that homeostasis kind of coming back and that's just where you're going to be. So the, the answer to losing an additional five pounds to what you've lost is you have to change something more. Um, and it and could be exercise too, right? Could be. You could be, your plateau could be just cause you've been doing the exact same exercise all along. Really? Mm-hmm. It could also be that your body just wants to be where it is. Yep. That's where you're supposed to be. And that's just when we're talking the last five pounds, we're not, we're not talking about going from obese to overweight to healthy. We're talking right. about going from healthy to a little bit lighter Yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. And five pounds could be a good pee. Right, yeah. full water. That's true. Yeah. On the scale, That's there you go. Point. There's your five pounds. Yeah. Like it, it's yeah. if it's a, a weight scale number that we're concerned about. That, yeah. So That's what I don't. That's what I don't like about the weight loss goal in general. And I know, like, like again, we've we've talked about this before, but I think that's really important to emphasize because either you're going to get frustrated because you can't hit that goal, or once you hit it, you're left wondering, like, now what? Mm-hmm. So, and again, we've talked about this already, but I think in that's that's why it's important for people to track other variables along the way as they lose weight, as they set goals. So things like you can monitor things like your energy in the morning when you first wake up, mid-morning, after lunch, that type of thing, just a simple rating. You can have like um simple spreadsheet on Excel or whatever, where you give that a rating every time you track your sleep, like 
total hours, quality of sleep, how rested you feel when you wake up in the morning, um, your hunger, like, do you get nasty cravings later in the day, later at night? Um, mm -hmm. how's your performance in the gym? Like, do you recover fast? Um, you know, do you feel energized after workout or sluggish? Are your lifts going up? Like there's all these other things that people should monitor, I think more closely than the actual weight loss. Right. Not only are they going to be motivated when they see improvement to these things, but it's just going to show them that, okay, the scale hasn't moved, but I don't really give a shit because all these other things have improved and I feel bloody unbelievable. Right. So, and I think with all, more focuses, the chance of maintaining whatever you've yeah. achieved goes up exponentially because you have that motivational factor all the time. Yeah. There's always something to be um, focused on that is tangible yeah. and inspiring and makes you feel accomplished and fulfilled rather than just yeah. looking at a number on the, yeah. on the scale. The so whole actually time. someone asked how to set weight loss goals. So I would definitely say just track other goals. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Like in addition to, I think that's essential. The weight loss is just going to be a uh, side effect of the habits and routines that you're establishing yep. in the process of chasing that. So yeah. um, we had that whole goal setting episode basically can be summarized into you have targets, but you need certain things to set your sights on that target. Yeah. So, um, and along the journey you may find that your original goal wasn't what you actually wanted. Um, yeah. and you discover other things. That's all part of the, the journey and that's what keeps it exciting. Yeah. I saw one thing that I really liked. This is something that is taught in the OPEX nutrition mm -hmm. course. Um, and they just kind of posted it. They kind of like to um, – I don't know this – not necessarily pick beefs, but they have views similar to ours in the fact that general, generalizations are not something that they will buy into. They won't yeah. – they won't um, steer everyone towards keto. They won't steer everyone towards macro tracking. Right. They won't gear everyone towards paleo. It's individualized which is what OPEX's whole idea is. But they have a conscious nutrition thing up on their Instagram. They posted this a couple days ago, I think. Um, and it says, why nutritional habits are better than macros. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six um, factors or habits that they, that they like to focus on. So one being slow down. Um, so while you're eating or before you start eating, the recommendation is to take 10 deep belly breaths to enter a parasympathetic state. So I like just, that. Just to bring you down a little bit. The other one is simply to sit down when you eat, just allow yourself to relax while you're eating, enjoy eating, smell your food, eat your food, taste your food, enjoy your food. Chew your food 30 times per bite, eat slowly, put your fork down between bites, and eat with others. Basically, if you want to improve your current state in any way, whether that be performance, weight loss, 
feeling better, whatever you're using as your target. You have to optimize your digestion and that starts with your brain. (laughs) If your brain doesn't know that food's coming, then how is your body supposed to prepare and secrete the proper enzymes and yada, yada, all the, all the processes that happen through the eating process that we skip oftentimes by just being in too big of a rush when we're eating, we're eating on the fly, we're eating in our car. Um, we're eating while we're watching TV. Not every meal is going to be perfect. You're not going to have the time in your day to sit down at a table with everything turned off and your phone away and just consciously eat your food. But if you truly want to make a difference in your health, then this is, this is where to start rather than focusing on too much detail in terms of the what and the how. That's a good point. Yeah. These are, these are things that I would classify as um, like woo woo quote unquote woo woo because people hear this kind of stuff and they think like, like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, for sure. But it's true. It's just like the simple things, right? It's yeah. Yeah. I think it goes under uh, food hygiene. Yeah. Just proper practices while you're eating. Mm -hmm. It can make a big difference. And if you have a, I'm not saying I'm, good at any of that stuff because i'm not it's definitely something i personally need to like actively work on but something that i think could help is just think about all right probably most parts of the world people don't even get to do this so exactly i think that's the easiest way yeah feel a little grateful first and then yeah yeah a little bit more gratitude that's another thing that annoys me when um people just kind of like abuse food. It's like, we're pretty privileged to have access to high quality food every day, Mm -hmm. but people just abuse the crap junk food instead. You know what I mean? Like, it's like we have this, there's a privilege to be able to treat our body and brain and we don't choose to take it. It's pretty sad. Yeah. That's another, you know, a whole separate combo, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a behavioral problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. It's a discipline problem. Yeah. That's why when you tell me studies that um, you've read and they're done on rats or mice, I kind of take those more seriously than human studies, strictly for the fact I don't trust people. <laughs> yeah. I do not trust people yeah. to actually follow what they're supposed to be doing. Whereas if your study was done on a rat or a mouse – I know that you had control over that. Yeah, that's a good point. Environment, it couldn't mess up anything. Mm-hmm. And humans, like they're gonna lie straight to your face all the time, especially if they're guilty. You're gonna be like, "Oh, did you eat this at that time?" They're like, "Yep." Meanwhile, they didn't. Yeah. Or they had a little bit too much, or a little bit too little, or they forgot. And that's yeah, that's an interesting point, actually. So I know I said on the one episode that you have to always be skeptical with um, rodent studies, which obviously you do. I'm not taking that of back, course, but of course. But I actually, if I were to pick like a couple, a couple specific topics where I would trust the data more than I usually would, it would be studies that look at feeding behavior because it it mostly relies on a lot of these um, quote unquote lizard brain regions, right? Right. Yeah. Which are we know are basically the exact same. So I, 
I trust those studies, a lot of them, at least when, at least studies that are looking at like specific mechanisms in the brain, cause they're going to be pretty damn similar. Yeah. That's why I'm so excited to hopefully find out more about the, the research being done on the mm-hmm. PFC and the limbic system and how it relates to weight loss maintenance. Yeah. I, I did have a few more things on, um, hitting a plateau. Sure. Like a few specifics. Because we, I think we kind of vaguely mentioned a few, but if, if people are actually like in search of that possible, if there, if there is like, if you truly feel that you've hit a plateau and you know, you wholeheartedly know that that's not like the ideal weight for your body. Like, let's say you're still overweight and you hit a plateau, like that's different than someone who you know, they've lost a bunch of weight and then they're at quote unquote a healthy weight and they can't lose those last five pounds type thing. Right. Right. Like there's, there's some differences here. So one thing I had was to add weights. Like if you're exercising and you're not lifting any weights, that's a great one. My opinion. Yeah. All the benefits of the hormone response and all that stuff that again, we've talked about that too. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like if, I think people always don't know or they they forget that the more muscle you have, the bigger your furnace is, basically. The bigger your engine is, the more gasoline it needs, meaning that the more food you eat, it's just going to be turned to energy, basically, right? So you're, you're able to burn more calories if you have larger muscle mass. So that's why you might see 250-pound individual with, if it's a male, hypothetically say like 10% body fat, they sit down beside someone who's 350, 400 pounds, overweight, no muscle mass. The individual with higher muscle mass is probably going to be eating a lot more food than the other one, right? That's a good point, yeah. I think and a lot of people see that and they, they probably look at it and are a little confused. Like, how's mm-hmm. that possible? How's this person able to eat so much food? Well, it's because your muscles are, they're literally a furnace. It's, it's increasing your metabolic engine. Not to use the word metabolism, but <laughs> <laughs> we know what you mean. Yeah. And then um, I had a few others here. So if you're doing all the right things or you think all the right things in terms of like diet and nutrition, you definitely have to look at your stress. You have to look at your sleep and you have to look at inflammation. So all three of those things I would say are completely connected. So if you're always under stress, you're going to have higher levels of inflammation. If you have higher levels of inflammation, you're going to have higher cortisol. We've talked about that before. If there's always circulating cortisol, your body's not going to burn up those fat cells. It's going to hang on to those because it thinks if you're stressed with high cortisol, then you're in like this survival state. And so you need to hang on to that weight in order to survive. Mm-hmm. Um Inflammation, I mean, same thing. You can you can burn fat but still hang on to um, old fat cells if you have inflammation. So that can be another kind of underlying mechanism of a plateau. You won't actually get rid of those dead fat cells unless you address inflammation. And again, like, but this stress and inflammation completely connected. If you're not sleeping, we talk about that one a lot, but if you're not sleeping, 
well, then you're probably going to be more stressed. You're going to have more inflammation and you're just not going to be recovering as fast. We've talked about sleep a lot, so I won't dig into that one too much. And then another big one is you're eating a low fat diet. So you can, you can drop a ton of weight if you still consume, say like, I don't know, just like an average amount of carbohydrates. I use that term in quotation marks, but you're still consuming carbohydrates, but you've slashed the fats, all types of fats, healthy fats included. You're eventually, you will lose a bunch of weight, but eventually you're going to plateau. Once you're, once your hormones recognize that there's no more fat, they need those healthy fats. Once that's recognized, you're going to hit that plateau. And then you may even, once you hit that plateau, even if you're staying at the same cows, you may even start to increase weight because what happens then is you'll shift into that high inflammatory state, mm-hmm. that highly stressed state. So there's all these, I guess, other specific underlying things that can occur that you could address if you feel like you're plateaued. And then another one, I would another big one is um, gut health. So if you get a lot of like acid reflux, you feel like you don't digest food, you get indigestion, all that type of thing, pretty good sign that you should address gut health, which same thing, that's going to cause inflammation, stress. You're not going to lose weight. You might plateau. Mm -hmm. Do you think that should be kind of like along with just those food hygiene habits, do you think gut health should be addressed before anything else? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What ways could somebody do that? I think that's a very important thing for. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, vegetables. That's a big thing. You can eat perfect macronutrients, but if you're not eating any vegetables, eventually your gut health is just going to go downhill. Big reason why is because of the fiber in a lot of the vegetables. So your gut bacteria needs that fiber to feed off of, to flourish. Um, there's simple tricks like something like apple cider vinegar. So if you, well, first of all, I think everyone can benefit from this, this day and age, just based on what we're exposed to. But when you eat food, you're supposed to secrete, um, stomach acid to break down that food and then actually be able to absorb those micronutrients. It's really common these days for people to not have enough stomach acid probably just because we're not feeding it with all the essential micronutrients all those healthy vegetables and so on so if you're not secreting that stomach acid you're not breaking down the food and you're basically not even benefiting from it because you're not absorbing all those micronutrients so one way you can address that then is with apple cider vinegar so that's one of the reasons why it's so popular because it can improve the acidity in your gut to be able to actually break down that food Um, and actually if you get, if you get acid reflux, a lot of people think it's because you have too much stomach acid because, you know, this is my throat's burning. It's on fire. I must have too much acid, but it's, it's too little acid because the food just sits there and then it just kind of shoves what little acid you do have up into your esophagus and Mm. you, you feel that burn. So that's another way to address it. Um, a lot of other, a lot of little tricks, like even eating um, bitters with a meal. So a bitter would be like, for example, a grapefruit is a bitter. 
these are things that can help with digestion, help with the breakdown of food, improve your gut health, digestive enzymes. Um, you know, if you, if you have trouble with like, um, digesting certain types of dairy, digestive enzymes can work. They can help just help digest food in general, if you have problems with that. So there's a whole host of these things you can do, but it, I mean, really what it comes down to is just trying to stick to whole foods as much as possible because mm -hmm. that's what the gut needs. Um, antibiotics, another big thing, those just absolutely trash your gut. So if you're doing a, a stint of antibiotics, even for like a week or two, but definitely longer, most are longer. You have to take these for like a month or two. You should be pairing that with a probiotic at the very least and then really jacking up your consumption of like sauerkraut, fermented foods, high fiber foods, green vegetables. That's good information this time of year. Flu seasons are coming. Yeah. <laughs> antibiotics might start flying. So that's right. if you find yourself in that situation, there's something that you can implement right away to try to restore some sort of balance in your gut. Yeah. I just listened to you talk that. I was just, I'm really focused on the weight loss maintenance part. Again, like I don't really care about the weight loss thing that much to be completely honest, because it's like, it's going to happen in and out. We talked about it at the beginning. Yeah. Less in, yeah. more out. You're going to lose weight. Just that's, it's simple math at that point. Mm -hmm. But what you just talked about in those habits or, or ideas to help you break a plateau I think those are also just um, habits and, and tools that you can use for general weight loss maintenance as well. Oh, yeah, for all, sure. All the things that you talked about was just raising awareness, like knowing where you're at right now and having a true sense of what you're eating and how you're eating and yeah, how your lifestyle is working for you or not working for you and then make adjustments on that. And then starting at the hub of where your digestion happens, which yeah. is in your gut, Yeah, if we can keep that or establish if you don't have it, that health, then the chances of you maintaining yeah. your weight loss is going to exponentially increase because you've gone right to the source, which is your awareness. So your mindfulness and your consciousness around what you're actually doing and how you're eating. Right. And then second, your actual mechanism for digestion is in check. So that the two things that are in, are very closely linked, we're discovering more and more every single day, it seems yeah, like wild. are, relaying the same message which is balance in your body and and health in your body yeah if there was a saying from the late great charles polquin that i really liked it was you're not what you eat you are what you absorb that's, I and love that, that was that that's really great. just echoes everything we just talked about mm -hmm. if you don't have a healthy gut then you're not really even benefiting from the foods that you're eating in the first place so mm -hmm. target that first because you could be doing everything right and if you're you don't have good gut health and it's you're just kind of going to be spinning your tires it's easier to start there than to have to loop all the way back around like sure, re yeah. relating it to um let's say weightlifting for example um a more complex movement like a, a snatch so i could have somebody come into the gym and i can give them a barbell show them the snatch grip and tell them that the bar has to go from the ground overhead and that's that's it and then I just continually add weight to their bar until they can't do it anymore. And then just expect them 
to, then they're like, Oh man, I hit a plateau or I'm my snatch isn't going up. It's like, well, yeah, you're, you didn't start at the foundation of the movement. You didn't learn the intricate pieces that need to be timed and completed in succession in order to efficiently lift that weight. You just got in there and let it rip. So you're going to ride that beginner's curve where you might add 100, 200 pounds onto your snatch. Say if you start at zero pounds, right? You've never done one before. Now you can snatch 100 pounds. That's a significant improvement. But what if your potential was to snatch 200 pounds? So in a timeline, like we, we go too fast. We start at day zero. We just load her up until day 365, say. We hit 100 pounds and then it's like, oh, well, shit, I'm stuck, right? Like it's now 700 days along and we're still lifting 100 pounds. Whereas if we had started with the basics on day zero or day one, by day 700, you could have been at 200 pounds instead of still stuck at 100 pounds. So this is always what I think both of us have in mind when we're giving people advice in terms of weight losses. We're not answering your question as if what's the best way to lose the five pounds that you want to lose right now. We're thinking like, how are we going to help this person actually maintain that weight loss so that I don't have, if I want to, if I'm helping you lose five pounds, I don't want to see you in two years still trying to lose those five pounds. So I'm not going to give you advice that's going to cause that to happen. I'm going to give you the answer that may not be the most um, convenient, but it's, it's one that we know is going to work long-term. And that's the advice that you were given, even when you were talking about like the low fat diet and you're like average carb numbers, like you don't even want to say a number because you don't want to hear, have somebody hear a number and be like, I need to eat 200 grams of carbs, right? Like that's not how this works. Yeah. Got to start. That's too, that's too complex. It's too much. It's not where it needs to start. That's, that's stuff for day 700. You can start worrying about that stuff. Yeah. Day one get some awareness around what you're eating and take care of what's actually digesting your food. That's why we need to record this via video just for when we use like quotation marks. Yeah. It's so confusing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Hands subtitles. I don't know if you guys can always understand this. Yeah. Oh, what every, are the everything has a good fitness analogy. Always. Always goes back That's to that. What it comes down to. I thought, of, I thought of something else during the, Oh yeah, just another kind of plateau thing. If you're if you slash cows way too fast at the start, you're gonna lose weight initially, and then boom. So that's another big one too. But yeah, let's move on. Um, maybe I'll I'll quickly try and address this um, thyroid question. How long do you think? How long have we got? <laughs> Not much. Let me see. Stop. Start a new one. Oh yeah, no, I can do it in that amount right. of time. It's not going to be it. It's not going to be a lot of detail because it's. I need to know more detail to give more detail. So the question was, can how did how was that worded? Can a regular diet work for someone who does not have a thyroid? So. Obviously, it's difficult because what is a regular diet? But I guess if I'm just to assume that, I'll just assume that it's like a whole foods micro 
pardon me, <laughs> nutrient dense whole foods diet. Let's just, you know, um, the other part of that is it, like, it really depends if you're taking, um, thyroid treatment or not. All right. We need more, we need more than three <laughs> minutes for this one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We'll come back to that folks. Yeah. Let's, we'll stop it and start it. Hey guys, thank you very much for tuning in again. That's part one of our weight loss series. Don't worry, part two we're going to release tomorrow, so you're not going to have to wait very long. Lots more content coming out on that one. Everything from how age influences weight loss to building muscle while burning fat, hypothyroidism, autoimmune issues, and we talk about more specific neuronal mechanisms in the brain when it comes to weight loss. So you're definitely not going to want to miss this one. Keep an eye out for that. Again, if you enjoyed this, please give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. That'll help us bump up the podcast and get it out there to more people. And then lastly, if you'd like to reach out to Jesse or I, check out the show notes. Send us a message. We love hearing from you guys. Have a great week.